she was like, Miss, are you carrying a weapon? And I was like, of course not. Of course I'm not. And he's like, all right, well, you know, it looks here like you're carrying a weapon into Palestine. So we're going to be like, I'm going to need you to look through your bag. So he's asking me to withdraw the weapon. And I look over and I see my mom, my dad, and my sister are smoking hookah and drinking tea. And I'm like waving my hands like, hey, hey. And they're like, literally my dad like puts his hand up for a second and looks away. Like, I don't know you. In this episode, we're going to talk about why it's not a good idea to bring things like, oh, I don't know, swords across the border into Palestine. Jeez. Over here on the Travel Horror Stories podcast, my friends, there's never a dull moment. Listening to the Travel Horror Stories podcast, a show that listens to real stories from travel bloggers and travelers just like you. Then we unpack those stories to discuss safety tricks, prevention treats, horror hacks, and follow-up tactics. The goal is to turn travel nightmares into dreams of beaches, sunshine, and margaritas. And as always, you can head over to TravelHorrorStoriesPodcast.com for this and all the previous episodes, their show notes, and links to all the other places you enjoy listening to podcasts. If you're listening via Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give the episode a five-star rating and leave a comment because that will help more people find the show. And now, live from the Rudderless Travel Studio in downtown Toronto, Canada, here's your host, Christopher Rudder. And away we go. It is May 18th, and today is the best day ever. Not only is the weather great, it's also my birthday. I could complain that it's much of the same as last year, unable to travel, and COVID-19 still exists, uh, in my neck of the woods at least. Uh, I mean, this time, two years ago, I spent my birthday in Bratislava, Slovakia, getting totally slosh on their cheap and delicious beer. Then I went to this UFO restaurant bar within this UFO looking structure on top of the SNP bridge for several tasty alcoholic drinks. I was on a day trip from Vienna and boy, have things changed since then. All that said, I won't complain because I have my health, my family and my friends are all okay. Oh, and in the middle of last week, I received my very first COVID-19 shot. Yes. So slowly but surely, things are looking up. I feel that by this time next year, I'll be celebrating my birthday in a different country like it was before. Yes. I'm so grateful that you are all hanging out with me today and in the hot seat for this episode. Catherine Parker Magyar, how are you? Happy birthday, Chris. I feel very honored to be here on your birthday. To be here on your birthday episode, celebrating you. Awesome! Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. So, um, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm so cool. I mean, I lie. It's COVID nineteen still happening. (laughs) Uh, So I would be lying if I said that everything is fantastic and super and great because it's not. by the way, where where are you located? I forgot to ask you about that. Where are you based? So speaking of a travel horror story, I was based oh out in... We're launching right into it. This is perfect. <laughs> I was based out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And okay. I just tore my ACL skiing. 
Make sure your bindings are tight on your skis. So right oh, now, I'm back at my um, parents' house, actually, in New Jersey. So not everything's not so great. I'm connected to a knee bender right now and oh, rehabbing my knee. But yeah, so, you know, my I know COVID is so stressful, but it seems like it's reopening soon. But for me, it's I'm not going to be mobile for another month or so so my quarantine's extended but more time for podcasts (laughs) and writing so it's all good excellent perfect because based on all the stories you were telling me i guess you're going to be coming back so it's perfect timing and i'm glad you brought that up because i was actually going to ask you about that because because you're telling me that you injured yourself so so there you already explained it (laughs) um wow okay so i mean you guys are south of the border and you guys are you guys are vaccinating like like crazy over there um, we, uh, us up here in, I'm in Toronto, which is in Canada and, uh, it's been sort of a shit show. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're far behind you. Most of your state, I would imagine is vaccinated. So therefore, um, people are starting to go out and, and get together and things like that. But as you said, you can't because you're injured. Yeah. And I have the first <laughs> shot, but I guess you have to wait. I know you have to wait, I think two weeks after the second shot. So. I think a lot of people who aren't high risk sort of have the first. So I'm assuming, I mean, it's, I'm assuming that by summer, everything, it's going to be the roaring twenties. Right. Yeah. I guess for you guys, yes. um, I guess. Uh, all right. <laughs> but before we go down that depressing road, it's depressing for us, not for you, because I'm glad that you guys are getting vaccinated. I'm so happy that. Uh, I mean, you guys are our neighbors, so it matters that you guys are vaccinated because, because you know, us as countries, we're constantly visiting each other. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that you guys are vaccinated. So that's great. Um, but I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm actually <laughs> trying to talk about COVID, to be honest with you, because it's so depressing. But what's not depressing is um, your website. So <laughs> tell us all about your website, because it's actually under your name, right? It's not. Yes. It's, so yeah. my portfolio. My website is www.katherineparkermaggyard.com. And that's also my Instagram handle where I share. Um, well, my Instagram handle is at Katherine Parker Magyar. And I'm a travel and culture writer. So I've written for Departures, The Daily Beast, Architectural Digest, Trip Savvy Forbes, World Travel Magazine. And I really focus on you know, far-flung destinations, um, luxury travel, but also adventure travel, cultural immersion. I'm really interested in the people part of traveling. I always find that travels other people and my best stories are always, you know, the people I've met along the way. So yeah, if you want to follow along in my adventures where you can check it out. And since COVID happened, I feel lucky that I've still been able to write about travel, but have focused more on sort of road trips, the American West, the Caribbean, which is still open to Americans, parts of it. And, you know, I've suffered the best. So I'm excited for the boom moment in the travel industry when people can finally move around again. I feel that travel is important, not just for, you know, broadening your horizons, but also it like builds empathy, makes you a better person, I truly believe. And I think all of us who've been in lockdown and you know, we sorely, we sorely need that. I know you mentioned how the U.S. is doing better with the vaccines now, but you know, the last year, the last four years have been a hell. <laughs> I mean, speaking with you know our past president. So, yeah, it's another rabbit it. hole I didn't want to go I down. Know, sure. I know. I'm sorry to bring it up. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> so I'm excited to, you know, continue. I'm a, I'm a writer and I'm excited to continue the travel part of my travel writing job soon. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I do, I tell all my American friends to have quite a few congratulations on your new president. I, know. <laughs> I think it was, I think for most of us there, even us in the North are kind of getting nervous, but I think you're right. Once everyone, you know, once majority of the people are vaccinated, then we could sort of get back to traveling because it really does feel weird for me to say that I haven't traveled in two years. That's yeah. completely unheard of <laughs> like, I, know. I mean at least internationally right yeah so, um yeah but anyways enough depressing talk let's play <laughs> some fun game <laughs> yes. awesome and i heard that this is your favorite game so i'm expecting big things from you okay. <laughs> it is. so we're gonna play three stories two truth one lie you're gonna give me three stories two of them are going to be true one of them's going to be a lie and i'm going to try to guess which one is the lie off you go so i went bungee jumping in japan I was in Osaka, jumped off a cliff, didn't speak Japanese, didn't understand what was happening. Um, I went skydiving in Australia when I was traveling around there with my family right after high school graduation. And I swam with sharks in the Bahamas. Um, I was spearfishing lionfish and then they tossed the carcasses up to the top of the sea. And I jumped in with about 25 reef sharks. So yeah, what's that? <laughs> um, so you're one of those kinds of people, eh? Yeah. Uh, adrenaline, adrenaline junkie. Yeah, much? apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you mentioned sounds like completely something that you would do because they're <laughs> all related to each other. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Uh, so the first one, um, I'm. You mentioned about going to the Caribbean. So for some reason, I want to say that you are doing the shark thing. Um, sounds like that could be true, but I don't know. Is that something that they do? Like just throw meat around to attract sharks? Is that how it rolls? Like that just sounds so <laughs> like <laughs> like setting you up for something. I don't know. It just sounds wrong. Uh, so for that reason alone, like I think I want to choose a shark story as the lie. So the shark story is true. The lie is skydiving in Australia. I've never been skydiving, but I'd love to. Uh, See, I mean, skydiving was just so, I mean, it's just so like, okay, like everybody's sort of done that. I mean, I haven't, but (laughs) but I know a lot of people who do that. So it's not even something that's kind of like, eh, I know. Because right off the bat, you were saying, like, you're all about adventure. So therefore, it's kind of like, okay, well, you you played it well. Yeah. You see why you like. (laughs) That was very well played. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about, uh, quickly, the the first story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first story was um, you... Bungee uh, jumping. jumping. And the third story is the shark story. So tell me a little bit uh, about both of those real quick. So I was studying... I was living abroad as a part of the Rotary program in the U.S. So I was a Rotary scholar, which people can do still in high school. I was doing that in Osaka. And Kyoto, and it was amazing. It was the summer that I was 16, and I spent a month living in Japan, and it was just spectacular. And so I had four different host families, and they were all, you know, lovely. I have to say that I wish that social media had been a bigger deal. I think it was like 2003, just because I would definitely be in better touch with these people. And now I feel traveling everywhere, I'm in touch with everyone. But so. (laughs) 
they took us, my host family took, took us to sort of an adventure park. And I, by the end of it, I could somewhat speak some Japanese, or I understood when people were talking about me, at least, you know, I'd be Ohio Gazimasta, Watashi Watashi Das. But at this point, I really had no clue what was going on. And I'm on the top of this cliff with like my friends, Nell was also staying with me. And I was going first because Nell was really scared. And bungee jumping, I've heard is really almost scarier than skydiving because you jump off alone and you leap. And so I'm looking down and my host family is at the very bottom and they're in these little like, you know, they're sitting down and I can barely see them. They're little dots. And there are two guys who are working at this adventure park and they're probably my age, like 17. And they're trying to explain to me how to jump without breaking your neck. And they were minding it. And I was trying to follow like what they were saying. And so I'd be like, oh yeah, like this. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. And I was like, I'm going to die. And finally they were like, just jump, Ness, just jump. So I go to the edge and I remember being like, I'm going to die right now. But I was like, well, if I die, like dying by bungee jumping in Japan at 16 isn't the worst way to go. And yeah, I left and I lived and it was pretty awesome. (laughs) But it was totally, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. And then in 2019, before everything, you know, before, you know, the last year of 2020, I was in New Zealand and I went bungee jumping because bungee jumping was invented in New Zealand. I went bungee jumping there a bunch of times and I wasn't as scared. That's why I'm like, I've got to elevate to skydiving, I guess, if my knee ever heals. (laughs) Wow. That's uh, okay. It's just a little bit funny how they're like, all right, before you jump, let's just run through some rules about how to not break your neck. Like, I love how, like, is that not something that you should be reading while you're in line? I don't know. It just feel like it's just like, (laughs) like it was awesome. I feel like if I understood Japanese, it'd be a lot, it'd have been a lot less scary, but (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I'm deathly scared of heights. So, uh, um, we have a couple. So, for example, I'm not sure. Have you ever been to Toronto? Yes, I love Toronto. Oh, awesome. Well, <clears throat> if you ever come back, let me know. I'll, I'll grab a bunch of travel bloggers together. We'll all go for beers. Yes. If we're allowed to get together by <laughs> then, who knows? At this rollout of vaccines, who knows? It might be <laughs> 2030. But um, so we, you're familiar with the CN Tower, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, the CN Tower, um, they have what's called the edge walk, where you're allowed to walk on the edge of the CN Tower. Um, one thousand percent not interested in stuff like that. <laughs> um, bungee jumping, um, not interested in that. Skydiving, not interested. <laughs> um, I think, I think maybe skydiving, I might actually be able to handle. Uh, because I think for me, when it comes to heights, as long as I can make out what's there, then yeah. I'm going to be scared, right? So the CN Tower, like when you're that high, you can still see what's happening at the bottom. But when yeah. you're in a plane, nothing looks real anymore. Yeah. It just looks like from a plane or from those heights, like it just looks like you're looking at a Google map. Yeah. Like it doesn't look real. So I think I might be able to do uh, skydiving, but I don't know if I'd be able to do bungee jumping because you can still make out where you're going to end up. And and um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I have one other story about that, which is actually funny. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me this story about how this uh, this person before him uh, jumped off bungee jumping, but you know how they ask you about your weight 
and uh, <laughs> she she apparently lied about her weight. Oh my god! So, so because she lied about her weight because she didn't want to be embarrassed, her 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 top half of her body ended up in the water. No! <laughs> oh my god! I mean, she was okay, but it was just it was just funny because I think it starts to pull. Yeah. Obviously. So she's not going in like as if she jumped, but it's it's just. It, it, it pulled her up at the last second, but the top part of her body still went into the water. So it was actually hilarious. See what happens when you lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. When to be honest about your weight, your doctor, yeah. with your bungee jumping. <laughs> exactly. Um, now tell us about the shark stuff because that, I mean, sharks, I think I'd rather go in a cage with sharks than yeah. actually go bungee jumping. <laughs> so sharks get a bad rap. You know, this person who encouraged me to jump in should work in shark PR. He was like, they are the puppies of the sea and they're fed. But it's actually quite a cool story. So my friend, Will Beckham, his brother, Woody, he became um, paralyzed from from the neck down, essentially, but just a freak accident jumping off of a boat. And they started the Woody Foundation, which raises money because for um, rehabilitation for people who've suffered those type of spine paralysis, because they told him that he would never be able to really move below his neck. And now he can like hold drinks and he's totally had, he's been able to really reclaim so much usage, usage of his body. So oh, I was, amazing. yeah. So I was down there on a, on a charity weekends where the, where the funds that were raised were going to the Woody foundation and a huge part of it was spear fishing for lionfish. So, and this is another thing that's interesting is lionfish, I think, I'm sure many people know, are are very invasive species in the Bahamas. They're in the Caribbean in general. They're not native. And they're wrecking the reefs. They're wrecking the food chain. So people were hunting these lionfish. I personally, myself, did not catch one. I did not get one. I loved my boat captain, but we were going all over these places with no fish, but we were drinking (laughs) rum, so I enjoyed it. And then on the last day, all of the lionfish carcasses were tossed out onto the top of the water. And these reef sharks are used to, I guess, every other week being fed these lionfish carcasses. So they have probably hundreds that they threw down into the water. And there were two big boats, one, well, one big boat and one small boat. This is critical because I was on the small boat because I wanted to get a tan. The large boat was covered. But I had also drank probably 3,000 Goombay smashes the night before. So I'm on this small boat in the middle of the Caribbean in July. It's going up and down and up and down. And I'm like, I'm going to die on this boat. I'm so hot. I'm so hungover. I need, I need a change. Of, I was so unwell. And so then they, and so they drop in all these, fit, all these um, carcasses and probably dozens of reef sharks come to the surface, right? And these things are like, I don't know, eight feet long. They're huge. And they've got the double, double row set of teeth. So you just see all these teeth coming up to the surface. And then the guy on the main boat goes, on the larger boat goes, okay, the fish have been fed. The, the sharks have been fed. Now it's time to jump in. And he's like, the smaller boat will go in first. So I look at my friend, Catherine, another Catherine, and I go, are we, are we doing this? And she was like, <laughs> I will die either on this boat or in that water. Like I'd rather die in the water. So I'm creeping over and he, all they, the guy keeps saying, you know, it's important that you don't act afraid. Like sharks will only view you as prey if you act like prey. Meanwhile, I'm so weak. <laughs> like my fellow humans are identifying me as prey, but I'm like, all right, don't be prey. Don't be prey. 
I get in the water. I've got my snorkel on and my goggles. And I look under the water and I look straight and probably 20 feet. I guess we're underwater. So 20 nautical feet. I don't know. I had me because we're off of the coast of we're off the coast of Bimini. The water is gorgeous, you know. Bahamas means what is? Oh my God, I'm not. I'm going into a tangent, but it means Bahama means clear water. I think originally in Spanish, but whatever. The water is very clear, and I look in front of me, and there is a shark, and I can't see its eyes. I just see they've got four sets of teeth, two double. A shark's open mouth is just coming swimming directly at me, and I like look down. There's another shark beneath me, a shark to my right, and I'm like, okay. I can't change direction. If I change direction, then I'm going to look like prey. I can't swim away. So I start swimming the same direction I'm at. And I'm at the surface of the water because I'm a human. I've got to breathe. What is the shark's excuse? Do you know what I mean? He's going directly at me. And my friends on the big boat are looking at it. They're like, Katie, it looks like you were like gunning towards a shark, like playing, playing chicken with a shark. But I'm like, okay, don't move. Just keep going. I get closer and closer. And I'm like, really, really sort of scared. I'm freaking out because I'm like, why isn't he getting out of the way? And at the la- I got a male energy from him. I'm not sure. It could have been a female, but I was getting masculine energy. At the last <laughs> second, the shark dives down just a little bit and its dorsal fin grazes. Like I was in like a bikini. It grazed like the length of my stomach and just went down. And we had a moment together. It was so, Jeez. it was insane. It was beautiful. <laughs> It was so, but then, you know, by the time the big boat came in, like most of the sharks had dispersed because they were like, oh, whatever, the fish are gone. But yeah, I had an, I had a close encounter and it was, it was a friendship that neither of us will ever forget, honestly. Oh my gosh. So do you actually value your life? Next question. I mean, (laughs) no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that, that is, that is cool. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know. I love these 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 little tidbits of information. All right, so jump in the water with these sharks that have two rows of teeth yeah. and don't act like prey. Yeah, like it, it's just <laughs> how do you manage that? Like I don't know. Like I know <laughs> confidence much. is everything. Confidence Holy is everything. Smokes. Yeah, you know. Um, my parents are from the Caribbean and I don't think that they go swimming with sharks. I think that they might go fishing, but yeah. that's about it. Um, so they they probably be looking at you like, ah, the crazy tourists. Yes. Yeah, let them yes. <laughs> I was in Barbados and my man, Derek Morgan, who was pretty much hosting me, guiding me around. He was like growing up, you know, our grandmothers would always be like, the ocean has no back door. So like, you know, to respect it and fear it. So yeah, I don't, that's definitely a tourist move, but at the end of the day, you know, anything that gets sharks, people to view sharks is like not these, you know, they're not, they're not really out to get you all the time. If it were great whites, I think I'd be much more afraid. Mm, fair enough. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Barbados. That's where my parents are really? from. Really? Where yes. in Barbados? <laughs> well, Bridgetown, which is the capital. I love Barbados. Um, but my mom's from St. Lucie, which is up at the top. The I've been there. Province, yeah. Um, I haven't. The last time I was there, I was probably like a teenager. So I definitely have to go back. You like, have no to. Joke. I know. Um, but yeah, it's it's my roots. I'm Bayesian. so that's um, that's really cool. That is so <laughs> that you cool. Mentioned that. So shoutouts to Barbados. Wicked. Yes, uh, there's a huge Caribbean population in Toronto. Yes, for sure. Yeah, there is definitely. 
<laughs> and you have, and now you have Drake infiltrating the airwaves too. So I don't know if you want to own Drake. But <laughs> well, I don't know if he can be owned. He he has pictures of him sitting on top of the CN Tower on his album. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly the mayor. So oh it is God. what it is. Um, but yeah, no, he's cool. We're proud of him and Justin Bieber and the rest of our yes. So true. Uh, <laughs> um, and the weekend, by the way. Sorry. I love uh, the weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So um, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. <laughs> um, it's definitely gonna be fun having you coming back because if those are the kind of stories you're playing games with, then damn. <laughs> can't, can't wait to see what you're gonna bring the next time you come back. <laughs> awesome. What would you do if while crossing the border from Jordan into Palestine, the souvenir sword you purchase starts setting off every single security alarm and light? You are accused of carrying a weapon and brought into the office for further interrogation. Jeez. So uh, what brought you up to Jordan in the first place? So it was 2013. And my sister, Beth, she was living in Amman, Jordan. She was a Fulbright scholar. And so she was living in Jordan and she's fluent in Arabic. And my mom, my dad and I were going down to Jordan to visit my sister. And it was my first time traveling in the Middle East, which was such a revelation as an aside, like the hospitality, the kindness. And it was just, and it was, you know, I grew up outside of New York. Um, an hour outside of New York City. So 9-11, after, in the aftermath of 9-11, all of the um, media that I would consume, like if you ever heard the call to prayer, it was signify a terrorist attack. And there was just so much that pervades this day, just sort of anti, anti-Arabic, anti-Muslim sentiment that you don't even realize is subconsciously infiltrated. And so, you know, you're faced, you're faced in this situation where I was like the only American in a lot of places and just, it was eye-opening how lovely people were to me. And that was the number one thing when I came home that I talked about. And yeah, and it, that whole trip inspired me. I work with the Amal Foundation, which, um, which raises money to send, um, to send Syrian refugees to college um, within the Middle East, which is amazing. But so that is why I was there. My mom, my dad, my sister, myself. So we had flown into Israel, gone to Jerusalem, gone out to Jordan. and. In Jordan, my dad had purchased a huge sword, probably 10 feet long, because he collects swords from where from different countries. Not 10 feet, that's a lie. But like that's say. ridiculous. <laughs> I'm having issues with measurements. <laughs> 10 feet. Probably, no. probably, <laughs> probably like two feet, three feet. It was it was a sword. It was a proper sword that fit into the length of his like, you know, big long LL Bean duffel bag. Okay. I myself, I want, I was like, all right, I, this is such a cool collection. And as an aside, as a travel writer, I still don't really have collections. And probably this is why I was like, I'm going to get this. I got an Arabic dagger, which is this little machete, you know, probably the size of a ruler. And I um, had gotten it for my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, this is a great gift. So we were going from Jordan to Palestine. So we had, we got, we took a cab to the middle of the desert, which is truly, it felt like the middle of almost nowhere, but it was this glass, it was a bus stop and the bus takes you further into Palestine. But in order to get on the bus, you have to go through customs and security because you're traveling over 
you know, state lines, country lines. And so it's this little hut next to a huge glass building. So my mom and dad went ahead of me and my sister. My dad was right in front of me. He slides his bag in. It goes through security. Nothing. Nothing went off. He's got his sword. I'm like, great. I'll be fine. I go in after him. And suddenly, like, everything was like, ding, ding, ding. And everything goes off. And then the guard, who was probably, I was like um, 24. He was probably around my age. He was like, miss, are you carrying a weapon? And I was like, of course not. Of course I'm not. And he's like, all right, well, you know, it looks here like you're carrying a weapon into Palestine. So we're going to like, I'm going to need you to look through your bag, you know, and this is like, you know, neither of us speak, he spoke English fairly well, but like I couldn't really understand much in um, Arabic. So this was a little conversation was a little stilted, but I thought, all right, we go over um, to pretty much just like a, a, a folding table that's set up by the customs and the guard is next to me and he's too polite to go through my stuff because like, it's just like impolite to do so. So he's asking me to withdraw the weapon. And I look over and I see my mom, my dad, and my sister are smoking hookah and drinking tea. And I'm like waving my hands like, hey, hey. And they're like, literally my dad like puts his hand up for a second and looks away. Like, I don't know you. Like, you're fine. So I'm making a huge, a huge thing of looking through this bag, right? There are bathing suits. He's blushing, you know, because it's like a more modest culture. It's like, but then I'm like, oh, I don't see it. And he's like, mess, maybe in here. And he picks up my shoe bag and inside my shoe bag is the weapon. And he's like, holds it up. He's like, I think this is what we're looking for. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay. Like I have, but I have to take you to the head of the security. And I was like, okay, all right. understand. Again, look back. My parents are just like, you know, smoking their hookah and acting like I don't exist. I'm like, great. You know, I'm going to be led by this man into this like building in the middle of this desert. (laughs) See you never. (laughs) So we go and we're walking over there and he's holding this dagger upright and we're sort of making small talk or I'm trying to. And, you know, he's in um, full like um, sort of military and customs regalia. We go into this building that's all glass. Like everything about it is glass. Like there's no, it's all tinted glass. We walk in, he leads me inside. And then around the corner, is this, is this huge room that I guess is like the head of security's desk. And there are probably 15 men in the room. You know, half of them are smoking cigarettes. The guy behind the desk, who I guess is like the head officer, he's got his feet up on the desk. Everyone's cackling. They're telling a story. And then it falls silent. And the guard says something in Arabic and hands over my sword to the man behind the desk. And he like, you know, sits upright, stands up, unsheaths the dagger and like waves it around. And then it says, John, and he reads that because I didn't gotten engraved. He reads the engraving. Who is John? And I was like, John is my boyfriend, sir. I'm so sorry. And he looks at me and he goes, John is a lucky man and puts the sword back in its teeth, hands it to me and allows me to continue on my merry way into Palestine. It was so nice. I got that was so lucky. I would not that would not have gone over well in Israel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
so by the time you got back to your parents, were they gone or, or um, the bus, decide the, to leave? Or <laughs> we are still waiting for the bus. You know, the bus hadn't oh left yet. Gosh. Thank God. But wow. I was just like, God, that was lucky. But people are so. I find whenever, and this is like, you know, I haven't had something really horrific. I just knocked on what happened to me. But I really find that people are nice, and if you don't act indignant, if you act apologetic that you could sort of, you know, I knew that I, I thought there was a 50, I thought there was like a 0% chance I could take the sword with me. <laughs> but I was like, you know, what's the worst? I mean, things could, things could have been way worse there, but just of hilarious. Course. Very lucky. Oh, oh Very lucky. That's, <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to turn out like that, but I mean, uh, <laughs> you are lucky because um, that could go, that could really have gone bad in so many ways oh my god um, like, yes. like we're talking like even possible jail time and all that but i think <laughs> i think you're right because i think that probably your demeanor like you're kind of like you know i don't know what you're talking about like what do you mean because you're not viewing it as a weapon you're viewing it as yeah. a souvenir right yeah. and i think that's the key so so i think that they they should be well versed enough to know when someone's really being deceitful about something and chances are if you're smuggling weapons they probably already have some other kind of priors maybe i don't know yeah um but they can tell that that that's probably a souvenir yeah um so that's why they probably didn't make as big a deal about it but they still need to report it and and look you up and all that because who knows you might yeah. have blonde hair but you could be a psychopath <laughs> so, so, so they true. need to still they still need to check it out right this segment is brought to you by GPS My City. Do you love exploring cities on foot at your own pace? Well, GPS My City's mobile apps, available on iOS and Android, feature self-guided city walks and GPS-powered travel articles written by travel bloggers and travel content creators for over 1,000 cities worldwide. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's break this down. Before we get into um, talking about you know, what you think you could have done differently um, <laughs> or what you've learned from that experience. Uh, um, it reminded me of a similar story that happened to me. So when I was in, um, I was in Marrakesh, uh, Morocco. And uh, so they have these little knives. Like I, I wish I, it's somewhere around here, but I think I put it away, but otherwise I'd show you. But it's like, the, it's like a little, it's a small knife, probably the same size. Like it's only like, um, like a hand knife and it has a little sheath thing, but the outside of it is made out of bones and stuff like that. And um, the, the top end of it has like a curve, right? So it looks like like one of those, like kind of like an Aladdin sort of knife yes. like it's rounded, um, but it's really short and they come in different sizes. So they come in sizes that are big, but this is like a little small one. Um, and I thought it was so cool. It was pointy, but it wasn't sharpened, right? So it was literally, it was for a souvenir. So um, the design and all that handmade, like it was just, it was just gorgeous. So I was like, I have to have this. And, and when you're in the, the Medinas, like those old little markets, um, you could really haggle the price. You know, they start high. So I really got it in my money, like for a really good price for something that's so amazing. Yeah. So I had to get it. Um, uh, Gordana, my, my, uh, my partner, she was like, uh, I don't think you should be bringing that. Right. But I was <laughs> like, but you know, it's small. Right. So I figured, you know, I was going to throw it in the suitcase. It should be okay. Right. Like I'm not going to carry it with me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I ended up buying it and, uh, I put it, I did put it in the suitcase 
And um, so when we were at the airport now, I put my suitcase through all the stuff. Is going. I can't remember where we're going. We're going either from there to back to Europe or something like that. Yes, we were because it was, it was, I was in Marrakesh. I went to Portugal because Portugal is close to um, Morocco. So mm-hmm. I was going back to, to Lisbon um, or, and then to go someplace else from there. So, um, so we were in, uh, we were going towards in, onto the Portuguese plane. So I, over the loudspeaker in in the airport, you're like, Mr. Christopher Rudder, please return to gate uh, 32. Mr. Christopher Rudder, please come to gate 32. And I was like, what? Because that's never happened to me before. So yeah. I was like, what the hell is that? So, um, so Gordy, she's with me and she's like, no. So she gets anxious immediately. So she's like, I bet you it's the knife. It's the knife, isn't it? I told you. So, so we, we go to the, the, the counter, right? And then, and then she's the lady's like, yeah. So there's something with your suitcase. Uh, so we got to take you downstairs because obviously they checked the suitcase someplace else. So they take us behind the door where no one's supposed to go, right? So they take us behind that door and they take us downstairs. So everyone at the gate is looking at me like, oh, what did he do, eh? Oh so my god! We go downstairs and now we're outside. In, in the outside part of the terminal where, you know, people are driving around their little suitcase carts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and we're walking through there and people driving by with their suitcases or suitcase carts are like, Oh yeah, you did something. Hey, you're coming <laughs> down here. What did you, what did you, what did you get booked with? All right. They're driving by. And so we end up going to the part and then they show my suitcase on the TV and then they wanted me to open it. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So they want the knife. Again, I'm thinking, oh, if they want the knife, they can take the knife. And Gordy's like, if they want that knife, you give it to them. <laughs> so, so we open up the suitcase, right? And then what was the problem was the lighter fluid. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> my at God. The time, at the time, I smoked, right? And I had, I had like, I had a Zippo. Uh-huh. So um, I would always refill my Zippo. So I brought the lighter fluid. With me. <laughs> that's what the that's what the problem was. They didn't oh. want the lighter fluid going on the plane. I don't know <laughs> how many planes I've been on with this lighter fluid, but these guys decided that well, we're not having it. Oh so my god! That's it. Took out the lighter fluid. They go, you can't travel with this. I'm like, okay, take it. <laughs> <laughs> and then take it, please. Take it. Go ahead. And then they closed my suitcase, and then that was it. I mean, I, and I still have my knife. I wish I could collect knives. Well, you still could. I think you just need to kind of just be open with it, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But this knife story brought up a whole nother story. Mm. And it was a time when um, I had like a switchblade. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it's like one of those, um, the Swiss Army knives, right? Yeah. You know how it has like all those blades and all that kind of stuff? So I made the mistake of putting that in my carry-on. And yeah. not in my suitcase. So when I put it through the machine, like the alarms went off, and then the yeah. security person went through it. And I'll never forget when when they pulled that out of my bag and said, <laughs> "What's this?" The people around me were like, "Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Like, who was he going to stab on the plane with that thing?" <laughs> so like, but so they had to. They go, you know, you can't travel with this, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I completely forgot. That was supposed to be in my, yeah. no, it's okay. You can dispose of it, whatever. But it was just hilarious. Just the people's reaction around me, how they freaked like I'm some kind of axe murderer. But yeah, um, but anyways. Swiss Army knife. Yeah, it, but it's, it was those bigger ones. So when you open up the blade, it's bigger. It's not like the yeah. little small, cute ones, right? It was, a, it was a big one. 
Um, but anyways, uh, it was just funny. This whole knife thing brought up all these stories about knives. Um, so what did you learn from this experience? Like, what would you have done differently? Like, what do you, th- I mean, is there anything that you could have done differently? Like, what do you feel you've learned from this experience? So I think that the main thing that I would want to do differently moving forward is having my hotel ship things home. Mm. Like it's particularly like Ah. if you're traveling in a place like I was, that was like the first of like three more borders I was going to go through. Mm. And I feel like however much money it would have been to ship something from Jordan to the US, it would have been easier because even if I'd or to, or to declare the weapon, obviously at the border. But the thing is, is that, and I think you just touched on this, it's so touch and go and it varies so much airport to airport and checkpoint to checkpoint what they accept. So like, it's just as easily they could have been like, no, which would have made sense. Like Palestine is obviously a very, you know, there's a lot of unrest surrounding. There are a lot of people with bad intentions arriving in Palestine. So, and I think honestly, like shipping things home is something that I don't do because in the moment I'm like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But that's something I started doing just a little bit more because, you know, a weapon can get stripped from you, but I've also purchased things that I've broken. Like in Italy, I got this Venetian glass that, you know, I, I wrecked it. <laughs> so I think that shipping things home. And I also think that like being upfront with security and I know we'll do another episode on this, but like I've been in positions where I haven't had passports or I haven't, or, you know, and we'll talk about that in another episode, but, and I think that the more upfront you can be, to begin with, the better luck you'll have. Or yeah, like I, I'm trying to remember too. I was in Trinidad and I left my suitcase behind in an enclosed area. And you know, just the more, the more direct you can be, and also the more you're shipping things. With weapons, I think it's a great thing to collect if you can. But I don't trust myself like not to get it stripped from me at some random point. Like I was in China, I lost all my portable chargers, you know, because you can't you can't have portable chargers in your carry-on. So it's always oh different gosh. by country to country. So see, I, I didn't even know that. So I would have yeah. totally have gotten booked because I do have like a portable charger with me. Uh, oh, everywhere. In my carry-on because, if, I mean, you have your phone, like it's going to run out, especially if you have yes. a long flight, right? Yeah. Um, and and the reason why I do that is because not all the planes have the nice little USB thing mm-hmm. that you can plug into to charge your device, especially totally. the smaller ones. But you definitely bring up a very good point because um, I always, like, when I was in, uh, you bring up Italy, when I was in Venice, for example, uh, there was so much of that, like, um, handcrafted glass and yeah. things like that. And I saw a lot of it in Greece as well. And in actually in Cappadocia and Turkey. Like, I love um, Cappadocia. Cappadocia is such an awesome it's place. The best. Um, I, I won't even get into the, I mean, yeah. we were talking about hikes, but I mean, I did do the balloon ride and I was Same. kind of pushing it there because you can make out what's at the bottom, but, but the balloon ride was a little bit, but I still survived that and I still enjoyed that. But yeah, it, it was a great experience as you've done it as well, right? Yeah. yeah that, was, that. that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, there was so like, they make a whole bunch of like amazing glass like that I saw in Cappadocia, those little vases and things like that. And I was always thinking, that, oh my gosh, I would love to have something like that. But then immediately in my mind, like I'm thinking like, well, how much would it cost to ship something yep. like that? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? But then, you know, now that you put it into perspective, I mean, if you really want it, like when, when's the next time you're going to come back to Cappadocia? Right? I know. I know. And I wish I bought more things, honestly, like. 
I was traveling pretty much. I would go to like three different countries a month for two years mm. from, from 20s, from spring 2017 up until, you know, spring 2020, I was just on the go. And so when you are traveling that much, you can almost forget, oh, I should buy something here. I should buy something there. But if we're talking about souvenirs, I think the best places to buy souvenirs are Peru and Kenya and Morocco. I wish that I had spent all of my money in Morocco, honestly. Oh, every no single idea. I did. <laughs> Smart though, because you know, you could get something, you can get like those three, just like the crafts that are, that are for sale. And Kenya, the Kenyan beaded headbands. I wish Ooh. I could live off headbands from Kenya, bracelets and scrunchies and sweaters from Peru, necklaces <sighs> from Kenya, everything, shoes from Morocco. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Morocco for sure. I mean, I couldn't, Morocco, I mean, the knife was just one thing, but um, I fell in love with the mint tea. So, oh, yeah. um, so I even brought one of the little metal tea thingies that they actually make the tea that, that they, that you pour the tea from. Yeah. So I even shoved one of those in my suitcase <laughs> in the suitcase. I definitely bought tons of leather stuff, like, yeah. um, like, uh, even like little wallets and things like that. And I bought, um, silver because their silver is like, it's real silver and it's yes. so like the, the quality of the, the leather and the silver and those things, like it's top quality and you'll never get the price for like a silver ring like that, like over here. No. So, um, so there's a couple of things that I actually, you know, uh, left Marrakesh with, um, in addition to the knife, but you brought up a good point with the knives specifically because they are small enough that they might not cost too much. I mean, if you get a sword yeah. is one thing, um, but still it, it might not, costs as much um because i i have to weigh it on a scale of like how anxious i'm gonna be if i have to yeah. go through like another four countries yeah. worth just spending like a hundred dollars to ship this mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like uh because like the anxiety that you must have went through like you just almost got booked and you still have to go through like two other borders like that's crazy yeah. like i would have yeah. been dying because i know that it happened once all that would be all i'd be thinking about is am i going to get called over for my knife and for me, as a black person with dreads, who's going to be sweating about something that I'm anxious about, it's not a good look for people. Because <laughs> people, they'll be like, oh, what's he sweating about, right? And that, you know, that's a whole other story. But, um, but yeah, I, I would, I think I'd rather much just ship it. Yeah, for peace of mind. Yeah, for peace of mind. So I don't need to stress out about it anymore. Um, yeah, so no, that's, that's a very good takeaway. Um, <laughs> and I've got one more piece of advice, I guess. This is tangentially related. But label where you got things. Like label, mm, okay. I, during lockdown at the beginning, I went through all of the little trinkets and stuff that I got from different places. That's the one positive effect of COVID-19 made me take stock of items. <laughs> because there were things that like I was finding that I couldn't, I was like, I don't even remember where I got this from. And you think you're going to remember it forever, but like my dad's sword collection, he's got the, he's got the country and the year beneath it, you oh, know? Wicked. Yeah. That must be impressive. I'd like to see that, that collection. That would be really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Because as a person, like as a kid, like I took um, martial arts, like I took ninjutsu oh, cool. and things like that. So we, we were practicing with like the wooden sword. So mm -hmm. I would have loved to have like a real sword that I could put up like on the yes. wall somewhere. Like that would be so cool. And that that would be awesome. But that is, that is a good tip. Um, for the most part, I'm pretty good. Like I do remember where all my things come from, <laughs> like the <laughs> countries, like where I got everything from. Yeah. Um, I do try to find something that's unique to that place. Um, 
to bring back. Uh, my office desk is like covered with things that are from all over the place. I love that. Um, so I, I love it for sure. But um, but yeah, that's definitely a good point because I think I mean how much how many countries have you visited? Sixty four. Yeah, that's 64 places, but that's a lot of things to try to remember. I, well, <laughs> I totally know. hear you. <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I have stuff, but yeah, I just, even if you don't get anything you really like, and I wish that I used my, I have nice cameras, but I end up, particularly in a lot of these trips, I end up using my iPhone. You know what I mean? But there are ways like, even I, even like if you print out an Instagram, what is this thing called? It's called Staticgram. I forget. Wow, I'll let you know. But there's this app that you can print it out and it looks really nice. And I feel like as long as you've got a picture, I'm lucky because I'm a writer. So I've also got the story, you right. know? Of course. Yeah, right? definitely. But the visual does help. It but really I mean, um, but writing, I do like if I could read a good story, I will immediately get lost in the story, anyways. Um, so mm-hmm. I could envision everything. Um, but the picture does help. You're right. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, what an, what an incredible story. That's. It's, it's funny because I mean it's funny the way that you told it, but I mean it obviously it could have been a lot worse. So I'm glad that yeah. that you know you didn't end up in jail or something like that. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's such an awesome story. Like I uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, now, where can people find you? I'm gonna put your website in the show notes so people can definitely click Great. on that. But if people are listening right now, um, where can they find you? Like on social media and your website and stuff like that. So yeah, so my Instagram is at Katherine Parker Magyar and my Twitter, because my name is too long, is at KPM1231, which sounds like an AOL screen name, but you know, we'll work on it. And yeah, those are the, I would say really Instagram, I, as much as I hate like the whole influencer culture, but I do feel like Instagram is where you can probably follow my travels the most when, when I travel again. And yeah, I share my stories. So Instagram, Twitter, and my website, I've got different sections about each country and stuff. So, um, yeah. That's, That's it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Wicked. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Case closed. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can listen to the show over at www.travelhorrorstoriespodcast.com. And if you're listening on your mobile device, please take a second to give the episode a five-star rating and leave a comment. It really helps the show and its episodes get discovered by more people. Plus, your feedback will help me tweak and change the show to make it the best show on the internet. Yes. Cheers. Cheers.